0: thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I'm teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us.
1: Father, we thank you so much for the day you've given us. We thank you that you are great and that even though you are great and as mighty as you are you care about people like Let you down daily. God, who made mistakes. We do and say things we ought not. He still loves us. But Lord, it's it's the point which we realize that we're not holding you up, that we realize we can never let you down. That your grace and your mercy covers a multitude of sins. Lord, that there's nothing that we can do to be perfect. God, your son, Sacrifice. what that sacrifice brought is available here. Salvation. For those who don't know You. For those who know about You but have never known You. May today be a changing day. And Lord, when we leave here today, I pray that what happens here would dictate the way that we walk would dictate the way that we live our lives that God yes there is nothing that we can do to be perfect but God that when we realize the sacrifice that we would live lives worthy of the sacrifice that we would be able to go and do things greater that's what the Bible says Jesus said you will do things greater than I some people may see that as a heavy weight Lord what a great opportunity to do things in your name forgive us for where we fail you Lord fill us this morning Lord you are here and we know that we pray that you would sit down with us that you would settle down over us. We will give you the praise
0: of the Lord for everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Peace. Good morning. Isn't it good to know how great our God is? It's It's unbelievable to know how good our God is and just the honor of being his child. I sometimes feel like we might take that for granted. Sometimes feel like we maybe, I don't know, maybe we just expect good things to happen because of who he is. But what have we done back? How great is our God? If you believe he's great, let's clap this morning. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. We don't do it enough. I can promise you we don't do it enough. The disciples didn't do it enough, so I know we didn't do it enough, and they sat there and watched everything He did. We're going to get started here in just a second. There's a couple things I wanted to share with you real quick, just to, not to break things up, but uh, never mind. We're going to get started. We're going to get started. We've been we've been working on a series, and it, it might end today. I'm still praying about the direction the Lord wants me to go, uh, and I felt very confident that This is uh, where he wanted us today. Um, Whether it continues or not, we'll just see. Uh, I'd like for it to because I really enjoy preparing these sermons and getting them ready. Uh, But he's laid some other stuff on my heart too that, uh, that I want to be attentive to as well. We've been talking about fighting your battles. How do you fight your battles? And we've looked in the last two weeks of two different episodes and Scenarios in the Bible where uh, we've talked about two different people that have had God lead them in the battle and lead the Israelites in the battle. And we looked at Gideon, we looked at Ezekiel, and we talked about that. And today we're going to look at a battle that you've all heard of before. It's one of the most common stories in the Bible. But the thing is, is there's a reason it's a common story. It's because it has a powerful message. It has a lot of truth to it. And it's one of those common stories because there's a reason God keeps putting it on people's hearts to tell and for you to learn. It's because there's a powerful message in it. We're going to look today at marching orders. Everyone knows when you're going to battle that you might get marching orders that are going to tell you where you have to go where you have to deploy, where you have to go. I look out on the internet search and I typed in marching orders because I was looking for an image to put on the back of the slides. And when I typed in marching orders, apparently on Netflix, there's a a show about a marching band that's called Marching Orders. Who knew? Um, But apparently there is. So if you're interested in marching bands, watch Netflix, it's there. But marching orders are tremendously important when you're going to fight a battle. And God has given us all individually marching orders to follow in our lives. And we're going to talk about some of those today through this story that we're going to do and we're going to talk about. But what I want you to understand is when God puts us in positions in our lives, when He puts us in situations that we think are problems, when we feel like we're fighting battles, He has a plan for us. He has orders for us. He has specific directions for us. We've seen that in the last two weeks and we'll see it here again today. But here's the thing I want you to understand and I want to get this point across clearly is that when God has a plan, He expects you to move. The worst thing we can do as Christians are sit in our seat and pray to God and say, God, solve this and we just stay in our seat. Because He's a graceful God. And if He so desires, He can solve that problem with you sitting in your seat. But He tells you what to do and what direction to go in order for His will to be done in your life. So when God has a plan, He gives you directions and He wants you to move towards the end result He has for you. Because in all these other situations that we've talked about, with Gideon, when he brought the 30,000 men to fight with him, and God said, ah, that's too many. Send some of them back. So Gideon did the test, sent some of them back. And God said, ah, that's still too many. Send some back. I can promise you this, in my opinion, that if Gideon would have kept those 30,000 men, they would have been destroyed when Ezekiel was looking at that field of dry bones, and God said, prophesy to of those dry bones. If he hadn't have told them exactly what God said, they would have never come together. We're going to look at the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho, and if Joshua did not follow the exact instructions that God set forth, those walls would still be standing today. If Joshua would have looked at those walls and said, you know what? There's no way. We're going to stay here and come up with a different plan. They would have lost the battle. But the first thing he had to do was go where God told him to go. They weren't at Jericho. And God told him to go to Jericho. You have to move to reach the plans of God. We're going to look today at Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read about verses 1 through 20 in Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Sorry, I'm trying to get y'all caught up. I'm sorry. Let me read it from here. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I let you. Until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest again carried the ark of the Lord. <clears throat> the seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns, Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priest and with the, horns, with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord is giving you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourself will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel." Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into His treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for all You've done for us. And Lord, we just pray that You continue to visit with us today. Let us feel Your presence. Let us know exactly what You have for us. we give You the praise and glory. In Your name we pray. Amen. Now, this story, you've heard it before. You've heard everything that I just read. You heard that God gave Joshua a specific plan. You heard He gave him specific orders. Joshua passed those orders on to the Israelites. Very specific in what He told them they could and could not do. He told them what they were going to do. He told them everything that would happen, and then they went and did it. God had a plan, and He told Joshua exactly what to do. He told Joshua where to go. He told Joshua what to do. He gave him specific instructions, just like He will give you specific instructions when you're going to fight the battles in life. He gives you specific instructions on what to do. Now, looking back at verse 2, where God told Joshua where to go. Verse 2, it says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Go. I have given you Jericho. I've given you its king. I've given you all its warriors. Now you have to understand, looking at this, this would be a huge monumental task. For the main reason, because of those walls there at Jericho. The walls were, they were not penetrable. They weren't. They were built that way on purpose. The Bible also tells us that the walls were sealed tight and the gates were sealed shut because the people of Jericho were afraid of the Israelites. They were sealed as tight as they could be because they were afraid of what would happen if the Israelites came. So they were as protected as they could be and they had walls that could not be breached. Now, he looked at at Joshua and said, you know, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. This is where to go. Go to Jericho. Now, imagine Joshua in that time. What if Joshua said, wait a minute. Why there? You've seen it, God. You've seen the walls. You see that that's an impossible situation. Why Jericho? It's impossible. Can you imagine Joshua going back and telling the people, the Israelites, hey, we're about to go to Jericho. God's told me the walls are going to fall. I imagine in public all the Israelites were like, all right, let's go. But I imagine back in their tents, they're going, have you heard? Joshua's lost his mind. That's what I'd be saying. That would be where my faith would be. Joshua, our leader, saying, We're going to go fight against walls that can't be broken, that can't be knocked down. I'm going to be in the back of the line. Y'all go ahead up front. I'll stay back here and make sure we're protected. They had to have had doubts, they had to have had fears, they had to feel like the situation was impossible. But Joshua didn't doubt. God not only told him where to go, He also told him what to do. He gave him specific instructions. He told him to have the priests lead the ark around the walls. He said to have the people of Israel march around these walls once a day for six days. Can you imagine about day four what the Israelites were saying? We've walked around this wall now for three days. We're halfway around it on the fourth day. I'm getting all my steps in for the day. But that wall still looks the same way it did three days ago. The people on top of that wall looking at us laughing are still saying the same jokes about us they said three days ago. And He expects us to keep walking. He expects us to keep doing what we're doing. We look like fools out here. Can't you imagine that's what they were saying? But they kept walking. He gave them specific instructions. You're not to speak, not one word. How many of us go to work and when something happens we don't like, them? the first thing we do is complain. Y'all go to work, have something you don't like, try to not talk about it. It's hard. You come home and you told your wife you were going to do the dishes and you, like all guys, forgot. And she gets home and you start crawfishing trying to find a better excuse than I forgot. She's probably going to complain. But just like when you come home expecting something and it's not done yet, it never seems to matter what the circumstances of why it's not done. We just didn't get what we wanted, so we complain. We get a little bit selfish. I can imagine the Israelites walking around that wall day four. No, this can't be. Day five, it's getting worse. At least the one guy on the corner came up with the new joke today. Day six, tired of this. Joshua, what are we doing? But they couldn't say it because they followed his orders. You know how they, I know they followed what he said those walls eventually fell. So they did what he said, but I can't imagine that they were just all okay with it. But the thing was, was Joshua stayed obedient to what God told him to do. And his leadership led the Israelites who might not have liked it to do the right thing too. In your life today, when you feel like you're facing problems and things are bugging you, what does your leadership say about you? Are you leading people to do the right things anyways? Or are you leading the crowd of complainers? Gripers? That one kind of hurts myself. What does your leadership say about you? Do you lead like Joshua led? No matter what, I'm going to follow Jesus and do what He tells me to do. That's how you fight battles. That's how you win battles, is you follow Jesus no matter what He tells you to do. How do we fight our battles? We just talked about it. There's a simple answer to how you fight your battles. You follow directions and you believe. It's that simple. If God tells you to do something, then you do it. But the second part of that is you have to believe that you're doing it because God told you to do it. You have to believe in what God told you to do. Joshua followed directions and he believed. Gideon followed directions and he believed. Ezekiel followed directions and he believed. And they all won their battles. Gideon won his battle. Ezekiel had an army of God raised. Joshua followed directions and he believed and we just read what happened. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Now, how do we do this as a church? Here's what I believe. And I mentioned this some last week, and I'll mention this some again today. I fully believe our church has wrapped up that sixth day of marching around the walls of Jericho. And I believe we are in that seventh day. And I believe we're walking around Jericho as a church right now. And I believe if we stay faithful and we stay true to what God is telling us to do, pretty soon we're going to hear a trumpet and we're going to shout and the walls that are around us right now are going to fall and God is going to rain blessings down on this church like we can't even comprehend, we can't understand. And the only way to explain it is that God is taking care of His church. Come on, people. that don't get you excited, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. I fully believe that we are right there on the verge. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. I just know it. I just know it. That the walls that have surrounded this church are about to come tumbling down and we're going to march straight into the glory that God has for us. I fully believe it. If we as a church follow God's directions, we'll soon shout and see what God has for us. And we won't be able to explain it, people. We'll just have to tell them, you got to come see it for yourself. Why are we doing live streaming? Because we want people to see it because we're already there. Why do we do the things we do? Because we want people to see it. Because it's coming. It's coming. We expect revival. We expect revival every Sunday. And if you're not expecting revival, then I'm going to work and I'm going to pray and I'm going to preach to where your hearts are changed, to where you truly expect to experience God every time you walk into this place. how do we shout as a church? When that time comes, how do we shout? We have a mission already. We call it Crossroads Rise. Reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting. Crossroads Rise. That's what that was when we started this back in January, we want to reach people. We want to be an inviting church. Yes, one that invites others to come, but one that when they do come, they feel a part of the family. We want to serve. We want people to go out and know that we're a serving church. We're there to help. We're there to do God's will for other people. And then we want to expect to see revival every time we're here, which leads to revival every day. And I promise you, if we're experiencing revival in our hearts every day, that leadership of Joshua that we talked about, you're going to start being leaders like Joshua. You're going to start doing the right thing no matter what and bringing people to Jesus through your words and actions without even trying. A lot of us think about bringing people to Jesus and we have to say, well, I have to go do this. That means you have to change your actions if you're wanting to bring people to Jesus. Does that make sense? I want to bring people to Jesus, so I have to do this to do that. Well, if you have to change your actions to bring people to Jesus, then our focus wasn't in the right spot every other minute of the day. Our actions, our thoughts, our words, our lives should be representations of Jesus so when people see us, they're naturally drawn to Him. Every breath. Not just when we're intentional about going and reaching others. If we do it right, we're going to be reaching others all the time and living the right way. This is huge, guys. This is really important. I'm sorry. I fought this cord. Y'all just have to bear with me digging there for a second. <laughs> My arm's been trapped. <clears throat> this is huge. And I thank the Lord. For, I, don't, I don't know, maybe this speaks to me more than it does to you, but the Lord just so gave me this when I was preparing this message. When we, as a church, when we individually follow God's directions and we believe what He tells us to do and what the plan is going to be, our faith goes from horizontal... Where we rely on us to vertical, where we rely on Him. And when we do that, we rise. We rise. Because right now, if God tells me to go fight my problem and I do it my way, I'm trusting in myself. That's horizontal, that's not getting me any closer to God. That's not getting me anywhere closer in my relationship to Him. That's not getting me any closer to His plan for my life. I'm relying on myself. It's horizontal. But when I rely on Him and I trust in Him, I'm trusting vertically, which means I'm rising to Him. I'm rising to His plan. I'm rising to His will in my life. And I'm giving it to Him. And I rise. Just like we will as a church. Now, we've talked about it already. But I want to make this point clear one more time. Out of all the stories we've talked about, Gideon, Ezekiel, now Joshua, how many times did the army of God have to raise a weapon to win a war? Not one. When you are right, in God's plan, when you are right in God's will, when you follow the directions that God has for you in your life and you believe what He has for you and in the results He has for you, you don't even have to fight the battle. He fights it for you. Do you see that? How many of you ever made the statement, I'm tired of fighting this? I'll raise my hand. I'm tired of fighting this battle. I wish it'd go away. I wish God would just do something to make this go away. I'm tired of fighting this. Well, you know what? You wasn't supposed to be fighting it in the first place. You're being horizontal. You're relying on yourself. It's in those times that we really need to search our hearts and search our soul and say, "God, what do you want to happen in this situation?" You're fighting this battle for me because I've seen through the Israelites that if we let God do what he wants to do, we don't have to raise a weapon. All we have to do is follow instructions. Gideon won his war by breaking pots and blowing horns hundreds versus thousands. And he won by breaking pots and blowing horns. Impossible, but it happened. Ezekiel. In the story we talked about. In the vision he had. He spoke to a field of bones that were scattered. He followed directions. He spoke. And as a result of his obedience, an army of God rose. All he did was talk. And an army of God rose. Joshua. He marched around the walls following those daily instructions. The walls fell flat. They charged straight in. See, I might be missing some of this, and I want to make sure we get this right. If you've never studied the walls of Jericho, it's insane what they had. You can see different versions if you go and look, but I, I want to tell you what I've studied and what I believe to be true And why this is so important. Why this story matters so much. The way the walls of Jericho were, where they had a large retaining wall at the bottom that was about 10 to 12 feet tall. Okay, On top of that retaining wall, they also had another wall of bricks that were about 6 foot thick stacked another 10 to 12 feet on top of it. So the retaining wall to protect the city would have been about 20 to 25 feet tall. There's some scholars that say it was wide enough to have two chariots ride side by side on the top of that wall. Okay? So that tells you how wide it was. About 25 feet tall, wide enough to have two chariots ride to guard it side by side. Okay? Now, there would have been about a 20 to 25 foot hill behind that wall And on top of that hill, they had another 10 to 15 foot wall going around it. That's why it's called the walls of Jericho. There were two levels of walls. And the archaeologists and the scholars say that if you stood at the bottom of that retaining wall and looked up, the top wall would have connected right where the bottom wall ended. So it looked like one massive wall with a big hill in between it, and where you were standing with the distance going in, with it going back, it would have looked about about, uh, to be about 100 foot tall. About 10 stories tall. So standing at the bottom of this wall, you're looking up, and it appears to be about 10 stories tall. Wide enough for two chariots to ride on. That's impossible. No wonder the people of Jericho felt safe. No wonder... They didn't have anything to worry about. That's impossible. So when you look at it from that standpoint, I can understand that in my human self were the people of Israel. He uses the impossible to create a reality in your life. Because when something happens that's impossible, you can't say you did it. You have to give the glory to Him. You have to give the credit to Him. Now here's the thing. The Bible says that the walls fell flat. Any one of us that have ever seen the demolition of a building have seen those walls come down and see piles of bricks, piles of rubble that people would have to climb over to get to. The Bible doesn't say that they had to climb in. It says they charged straight in. Some people believe that those walls literally fell into the ground straight down. Archaeologists have discovered where the area of Jericho would be large sections of walls that literally laid over flat and made a ramp of what would have been right up into the city. I like that story even better. Archaeologists have found where it appears that large sections of that wall laid flat over, in, still in its shape, in, it was still in contact, laid flat over and literally made a ramp for the people of Israel right into the city. That's impossible, but that's my God. That's impossible, but that's my God. Why should I fear anything? Why should I worry about anything? No matter what problem I have in my life, no matter how high the walls look, all I've got to do is follow His instructions and believe, and He's going to create a ramp to make my journey easier the people of Israel would have been thrilled crawling over that rubble to take over the city. But He didn't do that. He created an easier path for them. They would have been happy jumping over bricks. But He made it easy for them. And I'm telling you today, if you fight your battles with biblical principles, He's going to make it easy for you too. He will make it easy for you too. If we rely on God and don't rely on ourselves, He's going to fight the battle for us and we won't have to lift a single weapon. That's our God. That's what He does. So what's your wall? What is your wall? Every one of us have something that's in our way. God's promises... God's blessings are right on the other side of that wall. And I'm not preaching a prosperity message. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that God's going to make you rich. Not. But I'm telling you that God will supply all of your needs. He'll supply everything you need. It doesn't say He'll give you everything you want. It says He'll give you everything you need. And all you need is on the other side of that wall. So what is your wall? What's holding you back from the blessings God has for you? Every story we've talked about, there's been sin that have held the Israelites back. And you know what? We could keep reading in this chapter and pretty soon we'd find out they messed this one up too. Because somebody took some stuff he wasn't supposed to take. the Israelites always had an issue that led to their problem. But here's what they did. They called on God. And God told them, in every situation that I've been here the whole time, all you had to do was ask. It's that simple. Whatever that wall is in your life that you think is impossible to defeat, Whatever it is. Whatever that wall that's keeping you from the needs that God has for you, for the blessings that God has for you. You might feel it's impossible. I can't break down that wall. I'm here to tell you today that God's been there the whole time and all He's waiting on you to do is sincerely ask for His help. And then listen to His instructions and then believe that He's going to get you through it. That's all you have to do. God's always been there to save them. All they had to do was ask. And then when they did, God fought the battles for them. What's your wall today? Some of y'all, it popped immediately into your head. I know it did. When I say, what's your wall? Some of y'all, it popped immediately into your head. And you know that's what you need to get right in your life in order to experience the true blessings of God. What's your wall today? There's two questions. Number one, are you willing to break down that wall? Because if you're not willing, you're not going to want to. And if you don't want to, you're not going to listen. So you have to be willing. The second question is, are you ready to break down that wall? Are you ready to break down that wall? Because if you're willing to break down that wall, God's going to give you directions. And if you're ready to break down that wall, you're going to follow those directions. And though it may seem impossible, and though it may seem hard, you will actually find an easy path because He's going to make you a ramp to where you need to go. That's it. Boy, that sounds easy, doesn't it? It is. It is. Just that easy. God didn't put us out here to give us trick questions. He didn't give us His grace for us to have to earn it by solving riddles. He puts it right there in front of you and it's easy. And we're the ones that make it hard. We're the ones that make it difficult. Studying for this message, Charles Charles Swindoll, who's a, a famous minister, had these points and I wanted to share them with you today. Three points that he had when you're fighting battles. The first one. The battle you face is not difficult because of the odds or the size, but because it seems impossible. The battle you face today isn't difficult because of what it looks like or the odds that are stacked against you. It's difficult because it seems impossible. We look at it through our eyes and not through God's eyes. Because with God, what's impossible? Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. But when we look at our problems through our eyes, we can find plenty of walls. So the difficulty is not with what you see, it's how you see it. Second thing, Dr. Swindoll said, the plan of God that you are called to follow is not a struggle because it is complicated or confusing, but because it seems strange. There's truth to that. Do you think Joshua completely understood why God told him to go walk around that wall for six days and then on the seventh day walk around it seven times having the people blow the horns and on the seventh day on the seventh lap when the people blow the horns, everybody shout. Yeah, that's strange. I'll say that today. That's a strange plan, God. But that's the way it is in our life. How many times has God done you, told you to do something and you knew we were a doubt for, without a doubt that's what God wanted you to do, but you hesitated because there's no way God would really want you to do that? Those times you feel like there's no way God would really want you to do that are exactly the times you need to do exactly what God is telling you to do. Because when you feel like there's no way that God would want you to do that, as long as it's in line with the Scripture and as long as it's in line with God's Word, that's exactly what He wants you to do. His plans aren't difficult because they're confusing. He's not trying to trick us. They're just difficult because He's strange. But when we do the strange things and God works, then He's the only one that can get the glory for it. Because we know we couldn't have done it ourselves. Walking around those walls of Jericho seven times, and then seven, six times and seven times on the seventh day, that didn't make those walls fall. God made those walls fall. But He did it because they did what they were supposed to do. The third thing, the victory you need will not be accomplished because of strength or smarts, but because it's from God. It takes it all out of your hands. What you achieve and the victory you receive won't be because of how strong you are or how smart you are. It's going to be because God did it for you. How do you fight your battles? There it is right there. It's what the leaders in Israel did, and it's what we should do today. Because if it worked for them then, there's no reason it won't work for us now. If it worked in the Old Testament and it worked in the New Testament, it'll work for the bride of Christ. It'll work. And you have to remember this last thing from uh, Charles Swindoll. God uses the unusual to accomplish the impossible. God uses the unusual to accomplish the impossible. That's the truth. How do you win your battles? You do something crazy. You do something out of your shell. You do something out of your normal character, but now you're doing it with godly character. Because God's going to use that unusual to fight for you to make the impossible happen. You know, as we've gone through this series and as we've looked at everything that has been a part of all these battles, we've looked at all the, the, the different aspects of it, they've all had a few things in common. The people in charge did what they were told to do. The Israelites were obedient and they followed the instructions. And God won the battle. The song we played right before the service start, this is how I fight my battles. And the chorus part says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You know, we might get in tough enough situations that as we look up, it feels like we have walls of Jericho all the way around us, Surrounded. But all that tells me is on the other side of each one of those four walls is a blessing God has for me. And if I'm surrounded by four walls on each side that I can't get through, when God does the impossible, I'm going to have His blessings that are all on the other side of that wall. And even though it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but that just means I'm surrounded by Him. I can't think of a greater picture to paint for the love of Christ. And for each one of those walls you're surrounded by, He has a plan to make your path easy. What's your wall today? Are you ready to break it down? Are you willing to break it down? If so, give it to Him today. Bring it to the altar and give it to Him today. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, but this church is fixing to explode. This church is fixing to explode. You guys are part of something that we're not going to be able to explain. I watched a preacher this week. I wasn't planning on saying this, but... Lord just brought it to my heart. I watched a preacher this week that was talking about how the number eight is the number of new beginnings in churches. And if you look back in December, November, October, previous to this transition, there were eight consistent members of Crossroads Baptist Church. Eight. Some days they'd have a few more, some days they'd have a few less, but those eight were the core. It's the number of new beginnings. And there's a new beginning happening here at this church. And you guys that are here that weren't part of that eight are part of that new beginning. You guys that were part of that eight are seeing the fruits of all those years that you prayed and that you stayed faithful and that you stayed true to God because there were times it would have been easier just to shut the doors and go someplace else, but you stayed true. And we're living in a new beginning right now. We are in a new beginning. And you're not here by accident. You're not part of this church today by accident you're here because God had a plan for your life and you were obedient and He has a plan for this church and I promise you we're going to be obedient to it. And one day soon, it's going to be sooner rather than later, we're going to look back and think about remember that Sunday at the end of July when we talked about a new beginning. And look at where we're at now. But the great thing about it is, is whenever we're at that point, it's still going to look like we're still at a new beginning because something new is going to be growing. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? Eighth month is coming up. It's coming. It's coming. August is the eighth month. Why not something new? Come on now, Papa. You're giving me some Holy Spirit bumps up here. Whoo! It's coming, guys. It's coming. But God wants us to move and follow His dur- instructions, His directions, our marching orders, and believe. Because it's coming. And He's going to use... You, and you, and you, and you, and me, and maybe even Hutch. He's going to use us all. And when it's done, we're going to say, look at the impossible that just happened. And look how easy it was. Come on now. Come on now. And in your lives, you're going to start looking at your problems and saying, Look how God just did the impossible in my life. And look how easy it was. I spent years worrying about this. And in days, God solved it because I finally gave it to Him. And look how easy it was. That's how you fight your battles in life. It's not you. It's Him. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.